news for us. Uh, we were did two shows yesterday. It was a nice eight nine hour day for us. Yeah, you know, I um, I saw the split doubleheader um, when they announced that, and I think that's a team's worst nightmare. <laughs> You're a player, a coach, a broadcaster or you're working in those games. It's just a long, long day. They want to get those two gates. Of course, it looked like they had a great crowd for the night game uh, yesterday where they can clear the stadium opposed to playing a, one game and starting the other one 30, 30 minutes after. That was two and a half, three hours in between can really drag on for the guys. So what do you do in a split doubleheader? Obviously, the, the usual doubleheader, you know, you get your hot dog and, uh, you know, 30 minutes later you're playing again. What do you do if you got like a three-hour delay in the middle? Yeah, you know, everybody handles it different. But when you have an early game, it depends, you know, if you played it on the East Coast and, you know, your body clock's still on West Coast time, you know, sometimes guys lay down. They just lay down and, and rest a little bit. Not that everybody's sleeping around a clubhouse, but you're, you're going to lay down and relax. <laughs> Uh, you hang out, right? You got to prepare for the game, so uh, you know you're going to take an hour or two and just uh, find a way to relax. And then, of course, you start preparing for the next game. Um, as a coaching staff, you're probably preparing a little bit for the for the second game because you have you have that time. So you know, last minute preparations. It's always tough the night before to get ready completely for the game, covering all the stuff that you want to see. So. Um, yeah, you know, you, you hang out, and, and that, that's what makes it difficult at that time, waiting for Game 2 to start. Well, then you have it in September. Uh, September 16th, you've played 148 games already. you got to go uh, doubleheader in Colorado at the thin air. Then you got to come back the next day and play again. There's got to be some residual effect on, the, on a player. Well, it can be, especially in the days when, you know, you're starting, uh, you're starting nine, or eight play both games, yeah. you know, um, you know, in today's game, you very rarely see, you know, many, many players playing both games. I mean, that's always a game that you're going to get everybody in there, right? Your extra guys, you have four or five extra guys. Well, in September you have more. So you almost have the two lines, you know, everybody's going to get a chance to play when you're a player and you have a double header and you don't get a chance to start the game you know you're really struggling. So, <laughs> so you know, I never want to be that guy. Um, yeah. yeah, but that's usually how it goes. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I thought yesterday that uh, you could bring up an extra player for the doubleheader, but apparently I was wrong. In September, you can't do that. You're stuck with your 28th, and that's what you get, uh, you know, for the doubleheader. I didn't realize that. Well, I don't think anybody did. I, I didn't know that either. We were just talking about it up in Sacramento last week, you know, um, when Schmidt got sent down, whether he was going to come down and report or maybe keep him around for that doubleheader because, um, you know, when he was sent down, uh, they got rained out about an hour or two later. So um, I didn't realize that rule as well. And, 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 you know, the one thing that stands out to me, I think that's the first time you've been wrong all year, Marty. Yeah, it's, and I, I – <laughs> right? I got my Twitter account back thanks to uh, Giant Security and Twitter Security and the FBI, and I actually <laughs> tweeted I tweeted it out yesterday, and uh, so yeah, someone corrected me, so that that's okay, that, that's all right. I thought they should bring Bart up. See, that was my thought, uh, you know, bring Bart up, the third catcher, but obviously you you can't do that. Hey, well, let's talk about uh, Colorado for a second. Uh, yesterday they had like forty three thousand for the second game, and they honored. The Blake Street Bombers, the big hitters 
from Colorado. And, uh, you know, you were there in the beginning of, of Colorado and the Blake Street Bombers and all that stuff. And Dante Bichette and uh, the big cat, Andres Galarraga. And Ellis Burks, our friend, uh, was there then. And Larry Walker, uh, Vinny Castillo. How about that? That crowd. Yeah, well, that's why they're on those guys. Um, you know, two of them played for us. Obviously, the big cat, Galarago played for us, and Ellis Burks uh, played for us, also scout scouts for us, um, been involved with the Giants for a lot of years. And you talk about pros, th- those two gentlemen in particular that I know personally, um, great clubhouse guys, uh, great teammates, great leaders, um, not afraid to speak up um, about the game. And then you, you talked about Castilla and Bichette and Walker, I mean, the thing that really stands out, you know, they're known for their offense and, you know, the Blake Street Bombers, but the, all these guys can play both sides of the baseball. They were, you know, your quintessential everyday player. I mean, you know, Walker was a gold glover out there. Vinny Castilla could really pick it. Okay, Dante Bichette wasn't, that wasn't his strong point, but but uh, the big cat, gold glover, Ellis Burks, I don't know if he ever won one. He should have. Um, that's quite a group, and you can see why they were so successful with, with those types of players, guys that can play both sides of the field. Yeah, the big cat, I think, had one of the longest home runs ever at Oracle. Didn't he hit it at uh, the end of the bleachers and left or come close to the glove or something? Probably. I think he did. I think he was up there near the glove. I, I, I just remember being in Arizona and watching him take BP, you know, the restaurant that's up there in left field real high. <laughs> And uh, I remember him hitting balls in the people's soup up there. And uh, <laughs> that's that's how far he would hit him in batting practice. Yeah, the big end. What a glove, huh, for Andres Galarraga? Yes. Yeah, he was, uh, for a big guy, really a smooth, uh, agile first baseman. Um, you know, he, he moves better than you would expect for as big as he was. And as I said, look, those guys, those guys could pick it. They could play, and, you know, when you're a pitcher going into Colorado, it's tough enough to pitch there. But when you have to navigate that line, I mean, who do you pitch around? You know, you walk one guy, the next guy could take you deeper than the guy you just walked. So um, a dangerous lineup, and that's how you get big innings, you know, when you have players that can hit the ball out of the ballpark. When you have guys that are just singles hitters, you know, it's like I was when I was a player. The pitcher go, here you go, here's a fastball. Hit your single and get the heck out of the way. Um, you know, so it, it really is intimidating for a pitcher and tough to navigate when you have people that can hit the ball out of the ballpark. Yeah. Good, good talk here. The professor, Ron Wotus is with us uh, on this Sunday morning. Uh, the other, to think about this one a little bit further, Don Baylor was the manager. How about making him the manager of that team? Yeah. Well, he was, wasn't a bad hitter himself, right? (laughs) Come on. He got hit more than anybody. I know. Well, yeah, he he was tough, too. I mean, these guys played the game hard. They played it right. And, you know, I mean, it was it was years and years ago, obviously, and I was much, much younger. Uh, but those are the impressions uh, that they left on me. And, and one other thing about Don Baylor that really surprised me when he was managing uh, the Rockies, he used to bunt sometimes. Now, it wasn't when he had all those big boppers, when he had a different team that wasn't scoring. But he used to sacrifice bunt in the first inning a lot, or he'd get that second guy to do a base hit bunt uh, attempt, and if he didn't get the bunt, you know, the runner would move up to second base. 
But he was a big bunner, and you wouldn't expected that from Don Baylor, right? Usually a guy that he never bunted in his life uh, managed to play a run quite a bit. Mm, boy, they, the Rockies played for a run last night. It turned out to be a big run. Uh, this little Tovar is terrific, the shortstop. Well, this guy is just terrific. And uh, Charlie Blackman, we'll talk about him in a second, uh, is on second with a double, and they, they pushed him over to third on the sacrifice. And uh, Chris Bryant got a Rodgers pitch. They just laced it to center field, and that was the fifth run last night. But I think Tovar, either he did it on his own or Buddy Black called it, but they played for a run last night. And uh, in that ballpark, you normally don't do that. Yeah. You know, that's why you have to have a feel for your players in the in the game state and who's on the mound, who's coming in. And, you know, there's nothing better than playing uh, with a lead. And I, I know that, you know, the the analytics sometimes will say not to give up that out, but um, there's a feel that goes along, you know, with, with the game and knowing your personnel and, and how they're swinging and how you're going to score. So um, you see a lot of managers do that. Uh, I know, I know. Cap has done it on occasion. Uh, you know, usually, you know, second and second, first and second to move two guys up. But um, yeah, that's that's the feel of the game that uh, you, you, you want to take a look at as you're as you're in the moment. Yeah, and it was late in the game too. Uh, it was in the uh, the seventh inning, so it gave him the fifth run. Well, uh, you've been up in Sacramento this week. Uh, what's going on in Sacramento? Well, you know, the MLB is at it again, uh, trying to figure out the ABS strike zone. Um, they changed the strike zone again on the uh, AAA players, I think, about 10 days ago. So the, the players are trying to adjust to that, um, you know, which is difficult. So now the high strike is even lower. Um, I think they changed... Um, how the player stands, you know, the stance. I think they went on the height of the guy. Now I think they're going on their stance. So if you crouch a little bit uh, and you're a little bit lower, um, they're trying to get that high strike um, to the appropriate place, which, you know, kind of poses problems that they're playing around with this because, you know, do you start where the guy's in his crouch or do you start on his height? But, all I know is a lot of the players had a difficult time with it, the pitchers. And I was sitting there watching the games, obviously, and the high strike to me was non-existent, which is unusual, right? The high Everybody's pitching up there these days, and the high strike has been called a lot more. But it was gone. Uh, you know, Sacks pitchers were throwing pitchers, and, you know, every time they make a pitch, and to the eye, it looked like a strike. I've watched a lot of games in my life. And uh, to the eye, it was a strike. And, of course, when it's not called a strike, pitcher turns around, he looks at the <laughs> scoreboard, and they show the box up there. And, you know, three seconds are staring. Then they show the pitch, and they look at it, and they kind of shake their head, and, and off they go. So that's, uh, that's one thing that stood out to me uh, was, was the strike zone, how they are continuing to play and adjust with that at the, at the mercy of these you know, poor AAA guys trying to, to make a living and, and get back to the major leagues. Well, that's the thing. If you do this for t- 10 days and all of a sudden now you're in the big leagues, you don't know what the strike zone is. That That's the thing that gets me to fool around with it at the AAA level. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I You know, I, I just don't think uh, MLB can do it at the AA parks or the A-ball parks to – to have this experiment on what rules they want to implement because the ballparks aren't 
uh, nice enough to set up with, with yeah. all the cameras they need and the systems that they need, and a lot of the AAA parks do. But to your point, it's really frustrating. I mean, I feel for the guys. I, I work with the guys. I watch the pitchers. I watch the reactions. And, you know, they're guinea pigs a little bit. And you have to play with two different sets of rules. You go to the major leagues, you have one, and you come down, you have one. We know it's tough enough to play in the big leagues um, when, you're, when you're prepared to play with their rules. Wow. Uh, who's looking good at Sacramento? Did you see anyone that uh, jumped out at you? Yeah, you know, they played very, very good w- when I was up there. You know, Black, uh, Mason Black had a nice start um, uh, for them uh, position-wise. Um, really, you know, Tyler Fitzgerald, I think he has 26 or 27 stolen bases, 20 home runs. He played wow. a nice shortstop uh, while I was there. Then, then he played in center field. Uh, Luciano. Um, had a nice game, his second game. You can tell his timing's not quite there yet, but uh, his second game in sack when I was there, he had two home runs, Marty. And I don't know the distance on the first one, uh, but I lost it into the night. It, wow. it went it went way on top of the clubhouse, uh, one to left center, then he hit one to right center, which was impressive as well. Um, you know, they played, they played really, really well. Uh, you know, Wisely's up there, David VR. There's a lot of guys, obviously, that have been in the major leagues this year, and it's, it's really fun for me to go up there and, and talk to these guys and, and watch them play at the AAA level. But they played really, really well. All right, cool. That is the professor, Ron Wotus. Well, let's uh, go to Sunday school a little bit. Uh, there was a play on Friday night that was a big play that cost the Giants the game. And it was a bang-bang play at the plate. We've seen it a million times. The throw was a good throw to the plate, but gets there just as the runner is sliding and the catcher's trying to catch it. The ball kicks away, and the pitcher is supposed to back up. And Duvall was in a position where he was not in the position to back up. What's How far back is the pitcher supposed to get when you back up a play like that to really be effective? You'd like to get as deep as you possibly can because you don't know, you know, how the throw is going to be offline. It gives you, you know, it's, it's more time to react left or right. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you don't want to be close to the play, obviously, because you can't react to it. And if the ball ricochets or, or, you know, hits the runner like it did, it can be very difficult to even, you know, make the play if you're backing up correctly because in this case the ball hit the runner and, and, and rocketed, you know, in a different direction. So um, anytime you're backing up a base, you, you want to get at least 10, 15 yards uh, or as deep as you can because, you know, you're just trying to stop the ball from uh, to catch the ball so the runner can't advance to the next base. It's, you know, you don't want to be too close. That's the bottom line. Yep, yeah, that's what happened. Boy, we have uh, Lindsay Bear is going to be on the show today, uh, the granddaughter of Yogi. And they did a great documentary called It's Ain't Over. And uh, I was thinking about you because Dale Berra is in it. And he had some issues uh, during the drug days and all that. But he was a heck of a shortstop, Yogi's son. uh, And I think he was a pirate around the time you were. Yeah, we were teammates um, coming up. um, Offensive shortstop. uh, Of course, the Berra name is legendary. And I'm looking forward to to watching that documentary and listening uh, to the interview today. Um, we, we've spent a couple, two, three years together, Dale and myself, and we both played shortstop. And, you know, when he was injured, I got a chance to play, which uh, he was pretty durable. Um, but his strength was, uh, you know, at play. 
Uh, he was an offensive player, and he was a character. I mean, he was nothing like his, you know, like his dad, but uh, um, he, he certainly was a character in his own right, and uh, was a popular player there in Pittsburgh for his years. So, was Chuck Tanner the manager then? Yeah, it was Chuck Tanner. Yep, Chuck Tanner was the manager. We had uh, Bob Skinner was our hitting coach. Al Monchek was the infield <laughs> coach. Joe Lynette. Uh, coached a little first base, if you remember those names. Sure. Uh, and, ha- and Harvey Haddix was uh, was over there. The old time pitcher was uh, our pitching co- coach at one point. The kitten. The kitten. The, yeah, Harvey oh. Haddix. What a fielder. The kitten. And Harry the really? cat, Brickeen, and Harvey the kitten Haddix. Uh, they were. That's uh, those are the nicknames for the, those guys. Great, great fielders. Great fielders. Uh, yeah, so that was. Uh, Oh, Tony Bartirome, that was the other one I was thinking. Yeah. Did you ever meet him? Oh, yeah. No, he was our trainer. you walk in there if you had an injury, and he would, you know, he'd tell you to get the heck out of there as soon as he saw you if he was the first <laughs> or second year. He was one of those guys would tape an aspirin to you and tell you to take a hike. Um, that That's the way it was what was done. And, you know, Tony, when he got started, I, I, think, I think he drove a bus. I think he was the bus driver for the team. And the thing that stood out years and years ago, I don't even think you had to have athletic training con- credentials uh, to be treating players. And I, 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 you know, if my memory serves me correct, which it's been a long time, but uh, I don't think he had the credentials when he first started. You know, he was one of the boys, and he ended up being the trainer for the club. Now, I'm, I'm sure he, he did some training when, when that came into play. Uh, but he was quite a character. You know what he loved to do, Marty? You know what kind of TV shows and movies he used to like, like to watch? <laughs> West, westerns okay. he was big on westerns any western that was out there he would watch it those are those are my memories of tony <laughs> i had his baseball card 1956 pirates and then he played in the international league i remember when he played for columbus uh, and then he became the trainer you're right uh, of the pirates tony Bartiram, look him up <laughs> that's a good one hey on a, on a sadder note uh, charlie manuel I uh, was in the hospital yesterday having a procedure, and there were some complications. And I know there's something on the Internet yesterday from Larry Boa about praying for Charlie Manuel. He's one of my favorites, well, former manager of the Phillies. I loved having him on the show. Couldn't have been a nicer guy. And uh, I, my prayers go out to him. Maybe say something about Charlie Manuel. Well, you know, I, I only knew Charlie from the other side. Probably only spoke to him twice in, in my life, very briefly, just to say hello. But, um, you know, he, he's a big personality in the game, and I, I know all the players uh, that, that played for him absolutely loved the guy. You know, he was a no-nonsense guy, uh, a longtime hitting coach before he was a manager, and uh, the players uh, have nothing but good things to say about him. You know, he was... He was uh, as honest as the day is long, and he would just tell you tell you the way it is. And in a good-natured way, he really knew how to connect with people. And, uh, you know, he had those good Philly teams when he was managing. And uh, my prayers are with him because he's yeah. a great personality of the game, and, and so many people love Charlie Manuel. Yeah, he was a hitting coach for Cleveland uh, with Manny Ramirez and that whole crowd. And, boy, they, they could hit the ball. Uh, he was a big star in Japan. Uh, formerly with the Twins, then he went to Japan. Big, big hitter in Japan. And uh, he spoke quickly, and he was at West Virginia kind of drawl. And mm-hmm. uh, Marty, I'll tell you what's going to happen here, you know. And it was, <laughs> I loved him. 
I, I, so I hope he's well. I hope things turn out for him, but I definitely wanted to mention him. So we'll see. Wait, uh, well, well, I'm glad you... I, I'm glad you did. I just mentioned this real quick. I remember he was doing the all-star game and I can't remember who the player was, but you know, they, they had the managers go through the name before the game. And, uh, I, he, he would say something like the fact, say it was Estrada. I can't remember the play. He goes, Estrada, Estrada. He goes, Hey, how do you say that boy's name? (laughs) (laughs) I got, I tell Raf to look up. We've got some tape with Charlie. I've interviewed him a number of times. I want to play a little bit. Uh, of that, of that today, yeah. I love him. That'd very be good. Ni- yeah, very nice man. Well, well, the Giants got to win a game here, uh, Colorado. You've been through this a billion times in Colorado, where things go sideways. They got to win a game. They got to play some good ball here. Yeah, you know, it's been uh, it's been interesting or hard to figure out this club. Um, you know, they they play really really good, and they're like Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde now. I will say uh, Colorado is a tough place to play. Um, you know, I <laughs> they've handled them so well this year. You know, maybe it's the law of averages getting back at them. But, you know, it's not a place that I would love to play, you know, with the season on the line. But, of course, there is a lot of season left. I think you said it in your open. There's plenty of time, but you have to have to play good baseball. Yeah. You know, you can't beat yourself and – and, you know, they, they're hitting with runners in scoring position. The consistency has to be there. And, um, you know, these, these these three games, obviously, it wasn't. They had a great homestand. So, you know, the thing, the other thing that stands out to me, Marty, is, is the road record. You know, wow. I always believe that you have to be at least 500 on the road because the road could be difficult for teams. And I think they're 10 games under on the road. So uh, very important that they win this one today obviously, and then, you know, it won't get any easier going over to Arizona and L.A., but at least they got a chance. They have a chance to play a team that they need to beat again, and then uh, hopefully uh, the Dodgers will um, not be uh, as tough with their pitchers all down as they've been most of the year. I think McKenna agrees. I hear McKenna in the background. Yeah, 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 yeah. McConaughey, he's uh, his, his neighbor dogs over there looking at him. So um, <laughs> that that's the neighbor barking at him. He he just looks at him and says, "What are you yelling about?" And then he he, walks, he thumbs his nose to him and he walks away. <laughs> I love it. Hey, did you see Longo's slide from last night? Did you have a chance to see it? Yeah, I did. I did. You know, that they won the game. Slide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Head first slide into home, you know. Wow. We we're always taught not to do that, but you see more and more of it because, you know, the catchers, you know, they don't pull the Mike Show social. They can't, you know, hammer you anymore. <laughs> um, and if the, if the catcher is up the line a little bit or to, in, in the field of play and you have that back edge of the plate, um, you know, you can do it. You can go ahead head first because they really don't have time to come back and hit you it's more of a swipe tag and then when you're going with the hand if they start to tag you you can flip hands if you want and reach around with the other hand so uh you know longo gives you everything he got i'm 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 happy for him that he's you know uh doing what he's doing he's he's provided a lot of leadership for that that team over there in arizona which i know they were looking for it with all those young guys so uh good for longo yeah, yeah, he won the game for him last night. Seven, six, 13 innings, four hours, 24 minutes. Wow. All right. <laughs> we'll see. Hey, well, have a great Sunday, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Giants-Dodgers next week. Okay, Marty. I look forward to it.
All right, be well. That is the Professor Ron Wotus. Danny Emmerman coming up next right here on the Sports Leader.